Hey friends, welcome to our podcast, Confessions of Two Women Over 40. Debbie and I are two certified life and wellness coaches who have come together to bring our different perspectives on a variety of topics. If you enjoy listening, please remember to subscribe so you'll know when each new episode comes out. And then don't forget to share it with at least a couple of your friends. If you want to know more about us, please come check us out on our fun and inspiring Facebook groups. Debbie's group is Eat Right In, like the letter N, Fit for the number four, not the word, life. So her group is Eat Right In Fit for Life. And mine is called Healthy Habit Warriors. Okay, enjoy the show. Hello, Debbie. How are we today? <laughs> I'm doing great, Jalen. And of course, I'm really excited about today's topic. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited because I am interviewing this person who is so fascinating to me. And I have like a million questions I want to ask her. And guess what? It's you. It's me. <laughs> it's you. And while you did know I was going to interview you, um, but you don't know what questions I'm going to ask you. So it is kind of going to be a little bit of a a fun time for you because you don't know where I'm coming from. I might ask you strange questions or funny questions or serious questions. And so are you ready for that? Yeah, let's do it. Great. So I want to take us back a little bit. I mean, if you want to go all the way back, you can tell us like where you were born and raised and stuff. I don't know. I'm sure I know that part. Uh, did you go to college? I don't think I know that part either. I went, but I never finished because I was directing my own dance studio and somebody else's studio. And then I became an Atlanta Hawks oh. dancer. So I never finished because I went professional at a very God, early you age. Were going, I, you were going to school for dancing though, correct? Well, I had been dancing since I was three. I started teaching dancing when I was 14. I opened up my own dance studio at 19. Oh, so wow. I, wasn't okay. your, I wasn't your normal kid. In fact, I moved out of my house. I moved into a, an apartment over by the um, West Georgia College where I was going to taking morning classes. And I was with three other girls, four, four girls shared the apartment and I was so different from them. They always partied and had friends over and this, that, and the other. And me, I was in and out going back and forth from the dance studio, driving to Atlanta to be an Atlanta Hawks dancer and doing promotional stuff, plus directing my own studio, plus, plus, plus. So I never, it, it's funny because I, I wanted the, the college life. I wanted to experience that. But I really just kind of watched it from my friends because I had responsibility at such a young age. So I've always been, I don't know, in charge, a leader and just um, busy all the time. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And as, as I know you later on in life, that's still who you are. So I can see how that obviously started that very early. So that totally makes a lot of sense. Um, so did you always know growing up, obviously you said you started dancing at three at that young age, I mean, I danced when I was a kid a little bit, you know, here and there, but by no means did, was that, it was just something kind of to do that I enjoyed, but it was not a, ever going to be a, a thing. Did you know early on that you wanted to teach dance and go into dance and do all the dancing things that you did? At 16, I remember thinking to myself, am I doing this because my mother wants me to do this 
or am I doing this because I wanted to do it? And I really kind of just sat down with myself and had a little heart to heart with myself because my mother always wanted to be a dancer, but she was raised in a poor family. And like one year they gave her some point shoes. And of course she didn't know how to walk in them because she had never taken dancing. But, um, you know, so that's why she got me started in dancing. And I decided that I was doing it because I really loved it and wanted to do it. And it was really funny because my counselors at school kind of all said, well, Debbie, you, you can't be a dancer. I mean, everybody wants to be a dancer. It's not realistic. Nobody does that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? And um, it was really yeah. funny because when I made the Atlanta Hawks dance team and then I went out to schools to talk to schools about staying in school, not doing drugs and, you know, all kinds of good things. As I was talking, this new school had my old uh, vice principal and um, he ended up talking to me. And I just thought it was funny because I'm, he's the one that told me that I would need to pick a different profession that I would never make it. And here I was making it. I made, I made the Atlanta Hawks yeah. dance team. I auditioned with over 400 girls and only 12 girls made it. And I was one of them. That's you awesome. Know? Yeah. And I think that's an important lesson as you know, you, you have these kids, you have a lot of kids, you know, it's like, I want to be an actor. I want to be, I want to be a movie star. I want, especially nowadays with the 15 minutes of fame and it's so easy for kids to be on the internet or, or something. And it's like, I want to be an influencer and I want to be a dancer and I want to be this a professional. And it's got to be tough as a, as a teacher or a guidance counselor or a principal to, to not squash those dreams. But at right. the same time, find that balance of, you know, that's great. And you can do that. Obviously there's people that do it, but maybe have a secondary thing in mind. And, and so, so I love that you had that vision young and then you were like, yeah, but that's what I want to do. And you felt it and, and you went with it. So I love that. I love that as part of your story. Um, so you did, a, so you did the Atlanta Hawks, which the Atlanta Hawks is a, which sport? Basketball. It's so an NBA. Basketball. basketball. Got Atlanta it. Hawks. Yeah. I was like, well, the Falcons are football. I'm like, the Hawks, I'm like, that's, they, they, Atlanta loves their birds, apparently. So you left college, professional dancer, 19, you're at the Atlanta Hawks. And then where'd you go? From there, I auditioned for, I started meeting people on the Atlanta Hawks, other dancers that were doing other things that, you know, intrigued my interest. And I started getting into doing musicals. So I did 42nd Street. I went on tour with them. I did uh, Will Rogers Follies. And then all of a sudden, one of my girlfriends, um, her dance teacher was a rockette. She said, I'm going to fly up and audition. And I said, okay, I'm going to come with you. And so we flew up um, to audition. We only knew one girl from Will Rogers Follies. She let us stay in her apartment. We got there at 3 a.m. We had to be, we had nowhere idea where we were going. The taxi cab took us to her apartment downtown, New York. And we ended up staying there. We had to be up at 6 a.m. so that we could be ready for our audition at 9 a.m. And so we got there, hundreds of girls tried out and only 10 girls made it. And my girlfriend unfortunately didn't make it, but I did make it. And I'll, I'll never forget because getting that phone call, I was going to have to move up to New York. And so I had to get, leave my dance studio, you know, and leave the studio I was working at I even had to leave the Atlanta Hawks. I am on the poster for that year <laughs> because we hadn't even started the season yet, but I got on the poster and I have that out in my garage, which is really fun. And um, 
I stay in touch with some of those girls on Facebook. Love them. Great memories. And in fact, one of them, her daughter, I was teaching her daughter at uh, school with my kids. Charity. Yeah, one of the Atlanta Hawks dancers moved here to Las Vegas, and her daughter, I, I sat there and I was thinking, my gosh, she looks so familiar, and finally we realized it, and she said her name was Charity. I went, I only know one Charity, and then we realized we were we were Atlanta Hawks dance team members together. Isn't that funny? Oh, my gosh. It's small, such a small, small world. Small little fun world. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you get accepted to the Rockettes, and now you're like, this has got to be, what, still early 20s, right? I was 23 at the time. So your early 20s, you get accepted to the Rockettes, which is like, and I don't know much about the dance world, but that has to be like pretty high up on the, I've made it, I'm, I'm top of the food chain dancer, right? It is. It absolutely is. Being at Radio City Music Hall, I mean, the girls have been around since 1935. They were known as the Rockets because they stood with the shorter girls on the end, going all the way to the tallest girl in the middle. Now, back then, when I danced, it was five, five and a half on the ends, and it would go up to five, eleven in the middle. Okay. So it would look like a rocket. But when everybody stood together and they would kick, the legs, the illusion would be that they would all be together and they were all the same height. It just gave a, an illusion of that. And what's so really funny oh. thing is that when we do the soldier dance, which is we've been doing that since the beginning. And they do it every year yeah. at the, at the um, it's a part of tradition at the music hall. Yeah. And when we do the big wheel, half of the line stands one way and the other stands the other. And the big wheel is where you take the line and you go, you keep it very straight and you pinwheel all the way around, keeping that line straight, doing little tiny steps. And the funny thing is that the shorter girls are on the end and they've got to like, Heave ho! They gotta move the bus because they're all the way on the end. <laughs> and the and the tallest girls, who's got the biggest legs, they're sitting there. Dee, 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 little bitty steps. <laughs> <laughs> that that is hilarious. I love that we have that little background inside tip of the of the rockets there. That that's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. And as you're walking around, you're staring at the girl not beside you, but one over. You're looking at her chest the whole time and keeping in line with it and not like curving your upper torso or anything. You have to keep it straight. And it's actually, I mean, it's the easiest dance, but it's very hard. If you don't come off that dance sweating, you're not doing it right. And and you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, all they're doing is saluting and, you know, marching. And it really is hard to stay but it, in but it's so line. But it's so synchronized. Yeah, it, but that's the thing. Like you said, it's so synchronized. I mean, like watching synchronized swimming, I mean, it's not just you are on point, every point, every beat, every the same. Like you said, your back has to be the same. Your arm has to be the same. And it's like, and you, it's, I think it sounds extremely hard because I'm, I'm all is. over the map when I dance. <laughs> yes. You can and, ask you know, and funny things happen. Me. Funny things happen during, during the show, you know, like, um, you know, just, People wouldn't realize, you know, like you've got, it's live theater. So you have like live camels during the Christmas show. And, you know, sometimes you're walking across the stage and you're, you know, dodging those live bombers from the camels. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so funny. You got to watch so where you're walking. Let's just say that. What's one, do you have like a story kind of like that where you, you stepped in some camel bombs or, or something? What, what's your... <laughs> 
What's your, do you have a, a rocket story of? I of, have uh, hundreds of stories. We, one night, one girl, it was so funny. She, um, I don't know how, but she lost her boob pad out on stage. And we're tap dancing, oh, no. flap ball changing, tip and kick and flap ball changing, tip and kick it. <laughs> And, I, and we ended up kicking it around the stage like it was a hockey puck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Because you can't stay. You're not going to stop. You're not going to be like, hold on, everybody, we lost a boot pad. You just, you just keep going, right? That's the, that's you, the, you just keep going. You just keep going. And I remember, like, I was, um, I was the swing, so I would swing girls out. So a lot of times, um, you know, when I was here in the show for Las Vegas, I would sit up in the green room. And I'd be watching friends with my makeup on, my hair done and ready to go at any moment because you never know if somebody's going to twist an ankle or something. And they're like, Debbie, you're on. And then I got to go read my notes. Okay. I'm a, I'm a two. I'm going to the red line. Then I'm going to toe the green. Then I'm in the B section. And then I'm going to go to the blue line. And you have all this stuff you have to memorize, right? And you, and they get, okay, go, go. And you have to go get in line. I'm in between blah, 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 you know, and you're ready to go and you can't be nervous. And I, I feed off of that energy. I actually thrive. I love being in that kind of a atmosphere where you just, I like stress. I don't know. I like to, I like to challenge myself. I'm a, you know, I've always been like that go getter. Sure. And so then you go out on stage and I'll never forget one time we were doing the soldier number and we all, you know, kind of, we kind of like circle and we kind of pretend like we're falling out And then we go into like these lines of three girls and you're either towing the white in the front, towing the yellow line or towing the blue, but you're in lines all on number three, six, nine, you know, across the stage. Right. And so it looks like lines of three. Well, I guess I read my notes wrong because I went to stage right three instead of stage left three. It's a me and a girl. We're trying to take over the same spot. So needless to say, there's four girls in that line and only two on the other side of the stage. <laughs> whoops, whoops, we're a little off. We got some even numbers instead of odds tonight. That's okay. And you're like, That's oh funny. my gosh, Debbie. Uh, okay. I mean, funny things like that. Um, when I was dance captain, I'll never forget. We had 22 girls in the show and I had, oh gosh, how many call out we ended up having by the end of it, people just kept calling out sick or this happened or that happened. And I ended up with 13 girls on stage. And so we all had to, we all had to meet and go over lines and numbers and change it all right there within a half hour before the show went up and the curtain went up and everybody had to like work hard because maybe they were turned around instead of turning front or they were, you know, a B group now instead of an A group. And we all pulled it together. And I got to say, that is what I really remember about being a part of the Rockettes is it's teamwork. And nobody gets anywhere in life being all for themselves. And I guess I really, yeah. I love- You certainly don't get very far, I feel. Yeah. And I think that's what I love is that I love working with the girls and we're, we were so close together. It's like a sisterhood. And this weekend is our rocket reunion. And I can't wait to see my sisters that I haven't seen. I haven't seen them in over 20 years. Wow. Oh, some you, of them. you're going to post some amazing pictures. You, you've always put good pictures. That's going to be a super fun time. I can't wait to see those pictures. 
I can't so, wait. So, you had, so that was like 20, 23. Um, you're doing that until, and how long did you do that for? I did that for uh, nine and a half years, 10 years. Wow. 10 years. Yeah. Because you started in New York, but then you said you actually came to Vegas and became a Vegas rocket, right? And that's where you landed in Vegas. We ended up touring the nation. So every week we were in a different city, living in a hotel room. And then we, that show ended up in Las Vegas and they said, okay, we're going to stay here now. We're going to stay at the Flamingo Hilton. So we stayed there for six years and I ended up buying a home here and now I'm here. And now you're here. Okay. So then, so Rockets is done. And then, so then what, then what do you do from there? Cause like I said, that was kind of the, I did it. I made it, you know, kind of thing. Now, now what, now where do you go? Yeah. And well, you know, and I'd always been a teacher and I still taught kids the whole time I was dancing for the Rockets and then I became dance captain. So then I was, I'm teaching professionals. I'm teaching little kids. I'm teaching all age groups. So I mean, I've just been teaching my whole life and I really love, because I feel like I'm giving a part of myself and being a choreographer. Oh yeah. After that, I choreographed a show at the Venetian, which was called Beats of Passion. And that ran for a year. And I think the, the neatest part about teaching or choreographing is that you can have this vision in your head and you can make it come alive. And it's like the dancers are, there's a canvas, that's your stage. And they're the paint. And you make this beautiful picture with them. And then you were able to share it with everybody in the rest of the world. And that's how I thought of it. Nice. Yeah. That's beautiful. I like that. So again, so going back to the, so where do you, so you did a little choreographing, you've always been teaching. So then did you just know that once you left the Rockettes that that's what you wanted to do? You're like, I want to go teach dance. I'm going to open my own dance studio, right? I didn't open up my own dance studio. I ended up, well, I choreographed the show after that. I ended up doing a few other shows before I retired, and then I ended up going to hair school. So now I have a hair license. I mean, it's funny, and then I became a magic assistant. Um, It's kind of like, Debbie, what haven't you done? When people talk to me, they're like, oh, my gosh, you've done what? (laughs) You know, and I I modeled. I didn't know you were in hair school. I didn't know you went to hair school either. I'm learning so much. Yeah, I mean, I don't talk about myself because, gosh, I have 50 years of I, I don't ever stop. I learned how to sell life insurance. I've, you know, got certified for that. I'm just always learning. I've got my, you know, health and life coaching. I'm I'm always learning. And I think I'm always going to be like that. And I guess, you know, a part sure. of me was like, a lot of people, like when I worked at the school, I ended up getting, after all of this, I ended up getting married because I was ready to have kids and start my family. So then I, I'm, okay. you know, married. And I, I have my beautiful two children, a girl and a boy. Unfortunately, it didn't last, you know, went through hard times and basically asked my husband if he loved me and he said he loved our kids. So I moved on from there, which was fine uh, because I believe everything happens for a reason. And, but I felt mm-hmm. like my husband had gone through some troubling times. I was the support. I was the one that stood beside him through all of his troubles, basically. And I was still there, even in the end, because that's what I promised God I would do. But when he told me that, the weights were lifted off of my shoulders. And I'll never forget that day when I left him, that God was telling me that I could go and, Debbie, go. Spread your wings and find yourself. You're free. You kept your promise. I kept my promise to my kids, to my family, 
and did what I was supposed to do. So I don't have any regrets. And I have two beautiful children and, you know, I don't wish that I could go back and and change because I believe that everything that we go through, whether it's good or bad in our lifetime, okay? And you know, my childhood Mm -hmm. was not easy. I had struggles there as well. And I believe that everything we go through was meant to happen. I mean, we could sit back and go, if this person didn't do this or that, you know, if I would have had this person or, or if I could have done this, it would have been different if I would have done this. But you know what? We live our lives. God knows what we're going to do before we even do it. He knows what we're going through. And for some reason, you know, we go through that and we learn things, but our lives are our lives. It's the one we're supposed to be living. Now, do I think that I have a pre-future um, that's already, you know, planned? No, because I believe in choice. I believe God gives us the choice to make it whatever, you know, we want. But mm-hmm. I do believe that everything that has happened to me in my past was supposed to happen to me. It's why I am who I am. And I feel confident in that. Nice. I share that same feeling. I don't necessarily call it um, God like you do. and But my feelings are the same around the same concept that things happen for me and they've happened for me in life and not to me. And they've happened for me because it's, it's, it's gotten me to the point where I am and not everything is amazing and great and wonderful. And, Mm -hmm. but we have to go through those times to, to get through that other side sometimes. And sometimes it's pretty horrific things. And not that I wish those things on people like, Oh, you should have some big trauma in your life so you can be stronger, better. You know, if you have a great life, that's great. I don't really have any major, awful, huge traumas to, you know, really speak of my life, but my life has by no means been perfect, but everything, whether it's little or big, I totally agree with you that it happens for us, not to us. And I think when we get stuck in that mindset of, of why is this happening to me, then you get lost in that. And then you become this, woe is me. And we've talked about this before, but you know, you get in that victim mode. And again, there's some things that you're a victim of sometimes. I mean, you were held up at gunpoint on one of your mail carrier routes. You were a victim of a crime. And if you had let that be like, oh, now I'm terrified of everything and and, kind of let it change you, you would have still been playing that victim role. And you chose to say, listen, that happened to me. That sucked. That, that, that happened. But now I, you know, maybe it opened my eyes to, you know, this or that, or the lesson you learned from it. And, and it had, then you're like, that happened so that I could, you know, become this or do this or, and whatnot. So I, I totally agree with those things happen to put us in the place where we need to be. Absolutely. So, and I also want to talk about the fact that, I mean, you know, so you've had what sounds like this kind of amazing life to up to this point, you've, you've danced on this professional basketball team, yeah, you've danced to the Rockettes, you've traveled, you've done these shows in Vegas. I mean, these are pretty amazing life. And then marriage and kids comes along and you're cruising along. And then you have that news from your husband. And he says, I, I love the kids. Not really you kind of news. And then, and I know that you went through some tough times through your divorce, as most people do. Divorce is not easy. It's not fun. It's not exciting. I also know that just that's kind of when things changed for you. You did take a little bit of a turn into kind of, I don't want to say depression, but that's when you started to gain weight and kind of, you know, go into your own little kind of slump. Is is that fair to say? 
Well, being married to my husband, who would never come to bed, always said he was going to come, but he never came. You know, after a while of that, six years of that, and you, you know, just wanting some kind of intimacy or feel love, I always said, I'm in a loveless marriage. And it was kind of a joke, but it really was true. I was in a loveless marriage, and that's how I felt. Um, I was given no attention whatsoever. And, you know, guess how hard that is for somebody who's always had attention. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I started taking the Cheez-Its to bed, the ice cream, the cookies. Mm -hmm. These are some of my favorite things, (laughs) you know, and um, (laughs) and donuts. Let's not forget the donuts. You know, you take those to bed late at night and the pounds just keep, you know, racking up. And I got to where... My pants were so big, I would only wear sweatpants because they would stretch out and I would refuse to buy any more pants because I was just so huge. My chest had become so big, it was unbearable. It was like, I can't even move or touch anything in front of me because these boobs are in my way. They're huge. They were like triple E's or something. I mean, it was, it was like wow. somebody ate me, <laughs> you know, it was like somebody ate me. And I had tried to lose weight and um, be healthy for the kids. And I did. I ended up losing weight and my husband still didn't notice me. So right there, after that, I was like, well, why am I even trying? And I got depressed again. Mm. So the weight started Mm. coming back on. And that's when, you know, I realized all the things that were going on behind my back. And then after the divorce and just having that clarity and that feeling of, Debbie, you get to be you. You get to start a life again. Mm-hmm. My mind just went crazy. It was like, oh my gosh, it was like being young again. And it, it got all these visions of, of, and that's how I was when I would teach dancing. I would get visions in my head of dance routines and stuff. And sometimes I'd have to wake up in the middle of the night and write it down so I could remember it, so I could teach it. I, I'm just, I think a lot sometimes. And sometimes I can't even get it out because I'm thinking so fast. It's kind of crazy. So when I stutter, that's, you know, it's because I've got a lot going on and I want to get it out and I'm trying to articulate it, basically. And um, so so that's what happened. So once the divorce was over, you kind of went into the, you actually didn't go into the slump then. You kind of were in the slump at the end of it. But then once the divorce, you kind of got into this, I'm, I get to be renewed. I get to go find someone who does love me and kind of that, like you said, that weight lifted off. And so then what, what made you start to say, all right, I'm not taking the cheeses to bed anymore, donuts to bed. How did that shift come about for you then? Was it just about losing weight or was it just about creating a new you or? It was about creating a new me. Here he had taken all of my self-esteem, my confidence. I mean, I had done so much and he, I felt like he had just taken all of it because that's um, narcissists do. It was always me. Mm -hmm. It was always my fault, my problem. You know what I mean? Um, They Mm -hmm. beat you down. Yeah. And how could this person, I mean, if you knew me before, you'd be like, Debbie, what in the world? And I felt stuck. I felt my kids, I felt stuck. I made a promise to God. It was not a good place, you know, but there, I had to go through it for whatever reason, you know, God wanted me to, to learn. And Mm -hmm. that's when I ended up working on myself. And, you know, my friend, I used to teach all of the choreography for the Mrs. Nevada America system and the collegiate Nevada 
and the high school Nevada and the Nevada princess pageants. And I used to teach all the choreography for all these pageants. She saw me, the director, and she says, Debbie, you're looking so good. And I kind of made a joke like, ha ha. I said, yeah, too bad I can't be in the Mrs. pageant this year. You know, I'm really ready for it now. And she laughed and she goes, no, but you could be in the Miss. Give me a call. And then I thought about it and I was like, wow, because I had just turned my whole life around. I just lost a hundred pounds. I'm feeling good. I want to do something. I want to help people. I've always taught and I always gave of myself. How can I make an impact on the world and how can I help others is what I'm, I'm thinking to myself. Well, Debbie, you just mm-hmm. lost a hundred pounds. That's motivating and inspiring. You, you could inspire and motivate others it, because you know how hard it is to do. And mm-hmm. so wearing the crown, it's not about the crown. And I've always known that I had my own pageant business as well. So I know what it's about. I know about interviews. I know how to walk. I know everything there is to know about pageants. And when she asked me to do this, I just was like, oh my gosh, yes. Because it's about what you can do in the crown, not about the crown itself. Yeah. It's about having Go a goal and bettering yourself. And that's what I was about and getting my mm-hmm. message out and inspiring others. And the women that I have met at these pageants are now some of my best friends because we all have something in common. We're all doing different things, but we're all bettering ourselves and we're helping to inspire and motivate others. Just beautiful people and, and inside I, and out. You really kind of talked to me about that. We've talked a lot, a lot about that and have really shown me a, a different way to look at the, the pageant circuit. Because again, I think shows like Toddlers and Tiaras and what we see on TV, the objectifying of women kind of, you know, all these movements sure. of stuff that's just like... And I think we forgot a little bit that, yes, you know, there's the bikini competition. There's that, you know, it, it, there's about looking pretty to a point. But at the same time, there's so much deeper meaning behind it all. And for a lot of you women and the younger girls or whatever that that come up in that pageant thing, of course, there's some bad eggs. And of course, there's some competition. And of course, you know, it is a competition, but there's a really beautiful side to it. And I think that that's a really neat that the pageant circuit hopefully can start to convey more and more to the world. And it's not just this who's the prettiest, most popular girl in school. And then and, you know, it's really this platform of, of, of doing good work. Well, and that's what my podcast is all about. My other podcast, which is Your Unique Sparkle. And what I do is I interview other girls. And if you listen to some of these interviews, um, like I just interviewed a Mrs. Calif- uh, California America 2021, and she was not the prettiest girl in school. You know, she was kind of very shy and wouldn't be out there. And she has her title and, but this was something for her to go out. She is doing community service. She has a book on child Mm. sexual abuse and she has a coloring book that she's giving to schools. All they have to do is they Mm. just, they can go on my, my podcast. They can look up the um, link and they can go there and they can order coloring books and she sends them to them. And it's all helping kids become aware of their boundaries with their bodies. And it's a beautiful system. She talks all about it on the podcast. And I just love that all these women that I'm interviewing, they're all just beautiful women, not your most popular girl or this, that, and the other. They are girls that are out there working 
empowering other women and just trying to be the best forms of themselves, which I think is gorgeous. Because how many times do we lose ourselves? You know, when we get older, we just let things go. And I think as parents, and you you probably agree with me, we give everything to our kids and we give, 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 Mm -hmm. give, give. And who's last? Well, we always put ourselves last because that's the mommy in us. That's what we do. And it's so important that we don't lose ourselves because we are the images for our kids. They are looking to us as guides. And I can't tell you, like my son, he said, mom, please don't gain weight again. I said, oh, you like having a, a thin mom, huh? And he, he really likes showing me off at, at like his football game. <laughs> it's really cute. Well, he goes, mom, you're so pretty. And I, and I, I, I like having a pretty mom. Oh, oh. Well, that's a very sweet thing for a, a teenage boy to say. Yeah. Um, well, and I think we, I don't want to skip over the part that you, after you talked to the pageant lady, she said, Debbie, you can compete literally the next year, right? You did compete and you won. Well, I didn't win her right? pageant. I, I came uh, first runner up in her pageant. So it was kind of a dress rehearsal, which is fine because most people don't win their first pageant. I came first runner up. I was 49 years old to a 22 year old <laughs> and she was beautiful. And, you know, I already had everything. And another, another system said, Debbie, why don't you come over and try ours? Ours is 29 years and up. And I said, okay. So then I went over to the United States of America, Miss Nevada system, and I held the title of Miss Las Vegas that year. Okay. And then I won USOA Miss Nevada 2021. And you've told me <laughs> that there's different circuits and different names. And I had to learn that too. And and I just think that for those, for the people listening in this, the, why I wanted to interview in this story. And I think your story is just, it's such a beautiful story of what an amazing, like you said, you didn't have the greatest kind con- and we didn't really go into that and that's fine, but you didn't have the easiest of easiest childhoods. Um, you know, but you became this, you were always kind of busy, you're always hardworking and you, you became this amazing dancer, um, you know, went to college a little bit, left early, became a professional dancer, you know, professional, uh, basketball team, then the Rockets, then you're at, on the Vegas strip choreographing, whatever. I mean, you have like this rock star life kind of like, and then you get married. And like you said, it was a narcissist kind of man, you know, made you feel almost like you were nothing. And it's like, and I feel like we get, it's pretty easy, even for someone who was top of their game, professional and an amazing, you know, and doing all these awesome things. And we still get a little lost and then, you know, maybe gain weight or maybe go through depression or maybe whatever. And I, I want people to feel like that's really normal life and it and it's okay yes. that you have these big highs and have these big lows because you at 50 years old mm-hmm. won a beauty pageant against 20 year olds because you know again you wanted to just and again it wasn't about being beautiful and thin and, and that wasn't your goal your goal was to take yourself back and to reinvent and to and to get back to that debbie rock star that you are because i've always known you as that and i think you're an amazing person with this big heart and big, beautiful smile and eyes. And for me to even think of you, when I see the overweight, sad pictures that you've posted sometimes, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, it's such a hard thing for me to even grasp. But I myself, I didn't gain a hundred pounds, but I definitely have been through my, just like you said, 
given my all to my family and gotten a little lost in that and feel a little stuck or, or whatever. And had my times when I've gained a little weight or lost a little weight. And, and I think that one of the things I love about your story is like this, it's kind of like the comeback story, right? And it's just like you, you found yourself again. And I think it's okay that you get a little lost sometimes. And we don't have to be the perfect friend and the perfect mom and the perfect daughter and the perfect sister. And it's okay that we slip and we fall and, and we, but, and, but there's always time we, we can get back up and we can make that change. And it's always, you can always become a better version of yourself. Yeah. Whatever it is, just we're always growing and improving and health is very important. You know, I think I'm 50 years old and, and I see people that are 50 and the problems that they're going through in their health and stuff, knock on wood, it's, it creeps up on you and it's here before you even know it. And I know it's hard. We really want to take care of our, if we want to be around, I want to be around for my kids. I want to see them get married. I want to see my grandkids. These are important things for me. So what we eat and all those um, free radicals that are in your body, that's how we get, you know, disease and illness and everything. So it's really important that we eat the right food and get the right nutrients in our body. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. And just hopefully motivating other people to, you know, want to be their best selves as well. Well, I, I can say hands down, you certainly motivate me because you, I, I, you, I know you, you get up at the crack of dawn. You're the first one up in your house and the last one to go to bed and you're, you're exercising and you're doing this and you're doing that. You're a single mom, two kids now running a household, full-time job. And now I saw on Facebook, you're teaching dance again, which I love that, that you're back into that. That made me just smile from ear to ear and, you know, inspiring more young girls in that way too. And I just think you're a really great, neat, inspirational person. And so that's why I wanted to do this interview because I think you just have a lot of uh, great story to you and very real human story about being on the top of the game and being kind of at the you know, and going to a, you know, a, a darker place and then, and then coming back and, and being that comeback kid. So I just, I think you're a, a really cool person and I'm, I'm glad I know you. Thanks, Jalen. I think part of me just wants to, you know, I think as we get older, we start to see life differently and it's like, what am I going to be known for? What are my kids, what kind of stories are they going to tell about their mom? What kind of image am I leaving mm. them with? And, you know, especially going through the divorce and everything, it made me realize, Debbie, you have to be the image, the role model. And, and you know, their father is yeah. still in the, the picture and he helps out, but I don't, you never know what's going to happen there. You know what I mean? So for me, I just take charge sure. and just, I'm going to make sure these kids know what, what life's about and that we help others and we do the, our best to, with whatever we are dealt with. Yep. And, and I think women too, even if they don't have children, I know some of my friends don't have kids, they're still nurturers and they still really take care of people and they still take, I watch them take care of their family members and their other friends and, and women are just such natural nurturers and, and we do put ourselves last and, and I think we do want to be that good role model for so, for so many and I think we as women take on a lot of that and, and take the stress into that as well, but it is a really beautiful thing and I think that... I just think women are way cooler than men. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. They're only good for two things. Just, That's squishing bugs and taking out the trash. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe you were referring to last week's podcast as one of your two things. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
they'll yeah, have to, if the there. listeners want to find out, they can look that up. But all right, Debbie. Well, I have one last question for you. And if you could tell your 20 year old self one life lesson, what would it be? Keep the hope up, keep the vision, keep dreaming, keep going, never give up, which I think I have. But things, I would just tell her that, you know, things aren't always going to be easy. And life is, you know, you could think your life is going to go one way and it goes a different way. Not to expect anything. Just know God's going to have, has a wonderful plan for you. Yeah. Just to keep the faith, keep hope. Nice. I think we could all use a little of that to keep, uh, keep the hope uh, in these times right now of, of kind of chaos in the world. So we could all use a little more of that for sure. Absolutely. Well, we are, we are going to wrap this up. Debbie, thank you so much for letting me kind of poke into your uh, amazing life and your, and your words of wisdom. Uh, I appreciate it. I hope the podcast listeners appreciate it. My girlfriends were like, you need to get her on there. She sounds so cool. So I, I, I am listening to you friends uh, uh, that are listening and um, thank you for the idea. So um, Debbie, we will talk again uh, in two weeks. Yes. Yes. I love you, Jalen. You were the best. You were such a good coach. See how she coaches me, you guys. She's wonderful. Love you, girl. (laughs) Thank you, girl. Love you more. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. Thanks so much for listening to this week's podcast. Remember, don't forget to help us inspire so many others and hit that follow button and then share this with a couple of friends. Also, make sure you check us out on our Facebook groups. Debbie's group is Eat Right In, like the letter N, Fit for Life. And my group is Healthy Habit Warriors. Thanks again for tuning in and tune in every other Monday for new topics. Bye for now.